when you say mental health, that is a very broad term and your mind may go a million different directions because the truth is mental health is on uh, a continuum, right? It's on a spectrum. It's something that you're not either mentally healthy or not mentally healthy. You're probably somewhere on a scale just like me. And that's almost encouraging because you realize it's a journey and everybody's somewhere. However, it also makes it a little bit confusing to understand the struggles that you have and maybe the struggles that someone that you love has. We have someone with us today who is going to present to you a framework and a perspective that's going to help you not only normalize your own mental health, but make this whole conversation just a little more simple. Welcome to another episode of Happy Brain. My name is Heather Parody, and thank you for joining us as we explore the fun side to mental health by digging into the simple hacks and fun tips to make your mental health journey more enjoyable and your brain a little happier. What's up, my family? Today we have on Ross Zabo, who is a social innovator and pioneered the youth mental health movement. He is the wellness director and founding faculty member at Geffen Academy at UCLA, an award-winning speaker, author, and CEO of Human Power Project. I could go on. The cool thing is, is he has an incredible story about how he's been able to manage his own bipolar disorder, substance use issues, and trauma throughout his life. Ooh, that's a lot, isn't it? Let's dig a little bit more into his story. Yeah, I've had a lot of really intense personal experiences with mental health disorders and trauma. Uh, I went through a lot of trauma as a kid between ages 11 and 12, uh, just a lot of loss and death and, and change. And then I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was 16. When I was 17 and a senior in high school, I was hospitalized for attempting to take my own life. Uh, and at the time, I wasn't on like anyone's radar. I was present in my class and had a perfect kind of college resume, but had been hiding a severe depression. And then I uh, was hospitalized, came out, graduated high school, went to college for like two months, and then came home and was in and out of different treatment centers and colleges for the next four years while I battled extreme substance use issues. Eventually, like had a rock bottom moment around age 22 and started to piece it together. But even now, uh, 20 years past that, like I have to work on my mental health every day and take care of myself. I think what's unfortunate is sometimes being an adult is just undoing everything we did in our adolescence, um, whether it's trust, trust issues in relationships or all of the other trauma that we experienced. And so I'm still on that journey. I'm still really uncovering a lot. Me too. Anybody else on that journey? Okay. (laughs) How did he go from that, though, to speaking to over 2 million people, writing two books, and just being an advocate for mental health? I don't, you know, I'd I'd like to say there was uh, some, like, some major thing that happened. But uh, one night I I drank like I usually did, which was to the point of passing out. But um, I came close to dying, had this realization that I was either going to continue all these patterns and I was actually going to die or I was going to have to change. And luckily that night I chose to change um, and, instead of, of continuing all these patterns. I think the biggest thing I realized was I never chose to have bipolar disorder or chose to have all of the trauma happen in my life, but I could choose to change the way I cope with it. I think that's probably the biggest thing that saved me. So diagnosis, let's stick into this a little bit. Many of you know that I used to be a therapist and 
one of the things, well, there's a lot of things that kind of just surprised me learning about different mental disorders and the DSM is how so much of it is left for interpretation. And I think our mental health workers, people who are um, involved in this space are doing the absolute best they can. I'm not bashing an industry at all. I think there's so many freaking amazing people who are doing amazing work. However, it's it's hard, right? It's hard to figure out how to categorize things and accurately diagnose people. And then we do, quote, diagnose them. That is a very heavy experience. I don't know if you've experienced that or not, but getting told that you have X, maybe it's accurate, maybe it's not. But regardless, hearing that label sometimes can, well, can define you. And there's a lot of room for error in that. And so, you know, I think it was important for me to understand, even when I had that diagnosis of bipolar disorder, that I was still a person with a diagnosis. The more damaging thing that happened to me from that diagnosis was that I hated myself. And I tell people all the time, like, there are very few things more dangerous than a human being who hates themselves. Because when I hated myself, I didn't have any consequences. I drove drunk all the time. I did drugs. I had unprotected sex because I didn't care if I died. You know, I don't know that the label of bipolar or being bipolar was as damaging as the other effects from it. And I do think the label of being bipolar was limiting in some sense because I had so much self-hatred and I had such deep-seated anxiety that wasn't getting looked at because of the bipolar diagnosis. And a lot of my recovery, even to this day, is really assessing my own anxiety. I grew up in a dismissive attachment style at home and just started disassociating from emotions at a young age. So when you tie in disassociating emotions with self-hatred, with all these other things, like, of course, I was a mess. And of course, I'm still trying to uncover a lot as an adult. Um, So yeah, I think if you just stick to your diagnosis and you just stick to that as your identity, you might miss a lot of underlying things that are actually as problematic, if not more. So I wanted to hear a little bit more how we could better understand the link between mental health and physical health. So I think one of the easiest things to do, and because one of my pet peeves is we keep saying physical health is like mental health, but we don't teach mental health the same way we teach physical health. So for example, everyone listening to this knows there's different categories for physical health challenges. You know the difference between a sprained ankle and a broken leg. You know the difference between having a cold or having a flu, unless of course you're male. And then, you know, it's all really hard. It's really, when I get a cold, I need to be kept and taken care of. Um, You know, the difference between having diabetes and having cancer, we need to do the same thing for mental health. And the way I categorize mental health challenges is into five kind of different categories. One is everyday challenges. So those are things everyone can go through. Stress, lack of sleep, body image issues, like things that we struggle with kind of every day. The next category would be environmental factors. The home you grew up in, the school you went to, the way you were raised, that affects your mental health. All of the things from your childhood, your family history, like Mm -hmm. if you were bullied, made fun of, all these things at school, like everything, that affects your mental health. And that can take a while to address. Next to that are significant events. Significant events are just experiences with loss, change, or rejection that impact a person's life. So a divorce, a death. A change in finances, maybe something about your identity, something that you grew into, something that you realized. But those don't happen frequently. You know, they might happen a couple times a year in a bad year. But those experiences with loss, change, and rejection do affect us. Next to that are mental health disorders, which are diagnosable mental health disorders. 
And next to that are developmental disabilities, which are disabilities that manifest before age 22 and cause significant impairment in somebody's life. The reason all of these categories are different is because what's currently happening in society is someone experiences some level of everyday stress and thinks they have an anxiety disorder. They don't. Somebody goes through like a divorce or a breakup and thinks they have clinical depression. They don't. We need different categories, not only so that we don't dismiss people's real mental health disorders, but also to give us a framework and a perspective of, okay, this is happening and this is what I need to do to take care of it. And I just think it's a really easy little kind of trick people can use, not only with themselves, but also with other people. It helps us normalize mental health in the same way that physical health has looked at. Mental health is for all of us, yes, but there are different categories, different treatments, different things we need to work on those aspects. All right. All right. Ross, can you give me a practical example, um, practical application of this? When I'm going through stress or like everyday stress, everyday issues, the opposite of that for me could be calming down, right? So like I might need to read a book or go for a walk or exercise or do something because I'm a little stressed out. When I have anxiety from an actual anxiety disorder, the opposite of that isn't being calm. It's being able to see reality. And that might require treatment, it might require therapy, it might require a continual process of when I have a panic attack or when I'm having the uncontrollable anxiety, how do I come back to seeing what's real? Mm. And when you're stressed out and someone tells you to calm down, that makes sense. If you have an anxiety disorder and someone tells you to calm down, the opposite of having an anxiety disorder is not being calm, it is being able to see reality. And that's where we dismiss people and that's where we don't see that the treatments and the ways to handle it are, are, they're not the same. Make sure you connect with Ross at rosszabo.com. That is linked to the show notes. Isn't he cool? He's doing a lot of amazing work. Again, that is rosszabo.com. Now listen, whether it is building confidence by <sighs> shaking your booty. Yes, I said that. Using an alter ego or taking the time to fully understand mental health challenges. We just hope you take a moment for it yourself today, my friends, and keep that brain of yours happy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Happy Brain. If you enjoyed this, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an extra second, leave us an honest review over on iTunes or your Apple podcasting app. And until next time, my friends, keep that brain of yours happy. Happy.